Welcome everybody to episode 341 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and today I'm flying solo, and I thought it was important to do a little bit of an emergency podcast because the NRL has come up with another rule change that it wants to bring in. Now, let me take you through this rule change. It has been put forward by ARL Commissioner Wayne Pearce, and he heads the Games Innovation Committee, whatever the hell that means. And basically, the rule change they want to bring in in the match between the Tigers and Bulldogs next weekend and possibly into the rest of the NRL final series after that, is that any time you kick for touch, you give up a seven-tackle set as a result of that. Now, that's basically the sort of rule that we have if you kick the ball dead, you give up seven tackles. We've all seen how devastating that is to a defensive side, just having to have seven tackles that they've got to stop. But now the NRL wants to bring that in for anybody that kicks the ball into touch, except for if they kick a 40-20 or if they kick a 20-40, which is another rule they brought in and something that has never once been used in the NRL. It's another wonderful Wayne Pierce creation, I guess. Now, the thing about this is that any team that doesn't have a good kicking game in general play, they're not going to mind this rule. But if you've got a really good kicker, you're going to absolutely hate this rule. Think about it. Why would you ever go for a 40-20 if the result is not just a quick tap at the end of it. Like if you miss the 40-20, the opposition can tap the ball quickly or they can have a scrum pretty much anywhere they want along the line of the field. Now you could be giving up a seven tackle set as a result. Why would you ever go for a 40-20? It's too much of a risk. Nobody has called for this rule. It's supposed to keep the ball in play more often. And like all of the other rules that they've brought in to speed the game up, keep the ball in play, it just seems like one of those rules where nobody has thought of the consequences of this rule for even more than 30 seconds. It's a terrible, terrible idea. And I hope that all NRL clubs shout this rule down and don't let it get put in place, especially to come in in the last round of the NRL season and then trying to push it onto the final series, it makes no sense at all. Why would they do this? You know, we've seen so many different rule changes that the NRL has brought in under Peter Volandi's reign. Uh, Graham Annesley's been behind it. Wayne Pierce has also been behind it. We have seen the closest competition in world sport be absolutely ruined by it. You know, these six again calls that really make no sense have seen the competition become super lopsided. We've seen a bunch of different teams, no matter how good they are really, destroy previous point scoring records that have in some cases stood for nearly a century. Um, All of these rule changes that have been brought in since the beginning of the 2020 season 
have been absolutely ruinous to rugby league. And what we've now got is a situation where the NRL competition is pretty much a hybrid sport. It's not rugby league anymore. And that's not a good thing. The best game of rugby league I've seen this year that was just aesthetically pleasing to watch and really looked like a game of rugby league was the Women's State of Origin game because it was played by rugby league rules. They had got rid of the six again calls and things like that, and it just looked like a good game of footy. Unfortunately, the NRL, it's just something else. It's not rugby league. It's not rugby union. It's this hybrid sport that they've created, and they want to keep doing it. I don't understand this obsession with needing to change the rules. I understand that rugby league has been a sport that has evolved its rule set over time but the number of rule changes that we've seen come in over the last 18 months is absolutely ridiculous what we need to do is go back to the rules we had at the end of 2019 there were no problems with those rules and just go with them I don't like the seven tackle set even at the end of you know the seven tackle set that was brought in when you kick the ball dead, that was brought in because somebody in the media said that teams were trying to kick the ball dead on purpose to take players like Billy Slater and Greg Inglis out of the game. Last time I checked, players like Greg Inglis and Billy Slater were absolutely dominating before that rule change was brought in and they dominated after that rule change was brought in. A seven-tackle set is devastating to a team. When you've got to stop seven tackles, it doesn't matter how bad the attack is. They're normally going to be in a pretty good attacking situation by the end of seven tackles. We not only have that when you kick the ball dead, now they want to bring it in if you kick it into touch. And on top of that, you've got these random six again calls. Rugby league was never meant to be this. It was never, never, ever meant to be this. We brought in limited tackles for a reason. Rugby league needed it. We started off at four tackles and then readjusted it very quickly to six tackles. And we kept six tackles for decades because it gave us a really nice balanced game. It was a really good balance between attack and defense. Now, there's people that will say, We want to speed the game up. I don't necessarily know why. You know, a fast game of rugby league doesn't mean it's a good game all the time. A lot of the time it means it's a messy game. You've just got to look at the way the play the ball is right now. You know, I've never seen play the balls worse than they are right now. Players are rolling it just between their legs. They're not making too much of an attempt to actually play it backwards. We're seeing players that are playing it towards the sideline. Um, and you know, the game is a mess right now. It's, it's been really bad. I can't believe that anybody that has any background in rugby league would think that it's a good idea to discourage teams so severely for kicking into touch. It makes no sense. No one's calling for this. And I don't understand why Wayne Pierce would want this to be involved in the game. He should know better. In a little bit of expansion news, there's talk coming out of Brisbane that two of the NRL expansion bids are looking to merge. 
So the Brisbane Jets and the Brisbane Firehawks are looking to come together as one entity to take on the Redcliffe Dolphins, who are in a really strong position in terms of being uh, having assets and things like that, a very long history. And some people see them as a front runner to be the next Brisbane team. I personally think that it's up to the people of Brisbane. You know, they, they're the ones that are going to have to support this team. And it's interesting that we've seen so many mergers between the different expansion bids. You know, we had the Brisbane Bombers and the Ipswich Jets come together to have the Brisbane Jets entity. Now we've got the Brisbane Jets entity looking to come together with the Brisbane Firehawks. Um, I think as long as we get a strong Brisbane club out of this at the end, it's probably all a good thing. I wouldn't be shocked if they then had talks with the Redcliffe Dolphins. Like, it, there's a lot of moves going on here. I think the prob the real problem with all of this is that the NRL has said that it wants a second Brisbane team for a long time now. It has made all of these bids, put together different uh, different submissions and, and different ideas, but they've yet to really settle on who they want to go with. You know, you've got to wonder what the NRL is looking for. And I don't know at this stage whether all of these bid teams know that themselves. Um, it's a really interesting situation. I don't know who they're going to go with. I, I really do believe that it's up to people within Brisbane's rugby league sphere and, you know, fans, I guess, at the end of the day in Brisbane to decide which club they would rather support. Um, because if Brisbane doesn't support this team, none of it matters, really. And by the way, I still believe we should be expanding to Perth and Adelaide. Um, there's been talk of having a second New Zealand team I think that that would be a great idea, but obviously at this point with COVID, it's hard to get a game played of rugby league in New Zealand in terms of the NRL. So that has to be on the back burner. But I tweeted about this uh, yesterday, I believe it was, with the way that all of the teams in New South Wales were so easy to move up to Queensland. And... It was just such a smooth process. I think that the NRL should revisit the idea that they relocate some Sydney clubs because I don't think it would be as painful as it maybe once was. I think if you were going to relocate a Sydney club, now is the time to do it. Now, maybe me and Andrew can have a talk about what clubs from Sydney you would relocate relocate over other clubs. We could do a whole um, podcast about that. But I think that if you were going to relocate a club, the time would be now. There's not much that fans could really do about it. And I know that's a really cold-hearted thing to say. But, you know, all of our clubs have moved. That's what it comes down to. My club has moved up to Brisbane. Um, and it wouldn't take much to move a club to Perth or Adelaide right now and have that be a long-term thing. So I wonder if the NRL is thinking about that because there's no doubt that the NRL needs to sort out its national footprint. And if you get Perth in, you get Adelaide in, 
and you've got a second Brisbane team, your national footprint is almost set in stone. Like there's not too many different areas that you then need to expand the NRL competition into to have complete coverage of Australia. And at that point, you can start to look to bring in another New Zealand team. You can look to bring in, uh, you know, a team from Port Moresby. There's so many opportunities you can look at after that, but you can't do that until you have the national footprint in place. Hopefully having this second New Zealand team is a big step towards that. And it will also bring in more broadcasting revenue into the game because Brisbane's our our second biggest market in terms of rugby league in Australia. I know if you look at the overall market, it's actually Melbourne. But in terms of rugby league markets, Brisbane just does need more content and the Brisbane market needs more local content that it can use. And I think that most people would love to see Suncorp Stadium with rugby league being played there every single weekend. Now, last night we had a very big clash to decide the final spots in the top eight. The Newcastle Knights got a very narrow victory, a 15-14 victory over the Gold Coast Titans. It saw the Knights jump up into seventh spot and the Titans are now in ninth spot on 20 competition points. They are behind the Sharks, who are also on 20 competition points, but ahead on for and against. And the Canberra Raiders are also on 20 competition points. Now, the Raiders play the Warriors this weekend, and that's a really big clash for for the Raiders. They basically have to win that game, hope that the Sharks lose against the Broncos, and then the following weekend... They also need to beat the Sydney Roosters, who the Roosters are busted right now. Um, So they need results to go their way. That's what made the Raiders' loss last weekend so devastating. They really should have won that game against Manly, and, you know, they choked. We've seen the Raiders choke a number of times, unfortunately, and that was one of their biggest chokes. A lot of people have said that you know, those last couple of places in the top eight, they're not going to really mean much. Um, when you keep in mind that fifth place is Manly and sixth place right now, anyway, is the Parramatta Eels. Those two teams are definitely a class above the likes of the Knights, the Sharks, the Titans and the Raiders. There's no doubt about that. And even so, those teams are definitely a step down from at least the top three teams I worry about the Roosters in fourth place. Um, They're busted. They're so busted right now. They're probably going to lose to the Rabbitohs this weekend. It could see the Seagulls get up into that fourth spot, but we'll wait and see on that. There's only, you know, this round and next round remaining. Um, But I definitely think that, you know, it's still a top three race for me. And, I think that after last week's match between the Panthers and Rabbitohs, it's really a Storm versus Panthers competition. And the Storm have been so great, and they've proven themselves in the big games as well. It's hard to really tip against them. Although I will say, and I say this as a Panthers fan, um, the Panthers are getting all their players back at the right time. They're going to have that game against the uh, West Tigers this weekend, which 
to be honest with you, should be an absolute slaughter. And then in the last round, the Panthers are playing the Parramatta Eels. So that'll be a pretty good tune-up for them going into the final series. Uh, the Storm play the in the last round, the Storm play the Sharks, which is going to be a really important game for the Sharks. That could decide their place in the top eight. But it's always a tough game. doesn't really matter where either of them are on the ladder. That's always a tough game for both teams. So the Storm are going to get a good run into the finals as well. I tell you what, they're going to be on a long winning streak. And you just know that Craig Bellamy is not going to be a fan of going into these big finals games with this giant greatest winning streak in a single season under his belt. Um, It's shaping up for an interesting end of the year between the Panthers, the Storm, and the Rabbitohs. It could just come down to form for those teams. Although I do think the thing about the Rabbitohs, they do just go to sleep too often. And if they got that out of their game, they'd be really, really terrible to play. But we saw in that game last week between the Rabbitohs and the Panthers, if you can just stick with the Rabbitohs, get past their onslaught, because they've got this point in the game where they just try and destroy you, and they've got the ability to. But against the likes of the Storm and the Panthers, I think those two teams, they can sort of weather that storm and then overall beat you over the 80 minutes. Um, it's going to be a good final series between those three teams. I think every everyone else is just making up the numbers, though. Now we're at the pointy end of the season, and that means we've got to look at the Fergo and the Freak tipping competition on the NRL website, and it's really close at the top. Between first place and fifth place, there's only three games in it. Now, I think... You know, if you go back to needing four wins in the last little less than two rounds, um, I think that's a bridge too far. So I'm just going to go for the three games at the top. Now, we've got Andrew Marzalay, is how I'm going to say it. He's in top spot on 140 tips. Behind him is Sean M on 139. Yours truly, the Glorious League Freaks, is on 138. And then we've got Daniel Hayes, who's on 137 with Reagan, who is a very long-term friend of mine. Um, It's going to be hard to really make up even three wins. Uh, I know last night I picked up a a spot. Nobody in the top five got last night's game right except for me. I'm an expert. You've got to expect that. But... You know, even to make up those two spots to Andrew at the top is going to be very difficult. Um, We might try and put something together for whoever wins this competition. I don't know what we'll come up with, but we'll try and sort something out. Unless it's me, and then uh, I don't know what we can do then. Maybe we can throw me a parade. But it's really interesting that it's such a close competition. And when you look at the Who Tipped What website... Uh, the competition is actually really close too. It's it's just about the same. Let me bring that up. Um, so when you look at that competition, uh, Richard Callender is leading that competition and he's ahead of Nick Walshaw. Uh, the full 80 
and then it's me and Gus Warland. And there's only three three games between all of us in that competition as well. So that's going to be interesting. Um, the rest of this round for the top four, we've all picked the same. Gus Warland has picked the Roosters. You know, I don't know why. I think that they've got too many plays out for this round. But it's all going to come down to the last round of games, basically. Um, I am thinking what I will do is try and pick some really random teams. Hope that there's a bunch of upsets and see if I can make up some ground. Um, but we'll wait and see on that. It's uh, It's been a really interesting season. I think this has been a really, really easy season to tip. Um, when I look at the percentages on this website, I've got 76% of the tips right this year. The leader, Richard Callender, has got 77%. They're extremely high. And I think it comes back to, you know, the way that the NRL rule set has been. It's really easy to tip who's going to win a lot of these games because what were close contests, it's just not close anymore, unfortunately. They took the closest competition in the world and they absolutely ruined it, unfortunately. Um, well done to the NRL on that one. Now we're going to end this podcast by talking about a couple of fines the NRL has handed out. Um, Josh Dugan has been handed a fine of $50,000 for failing to comply with game's biosecurity protocols. 50 grand, that is a whack. And Adam Elliott has been fined $10,000 for what has been described as a bit of a kiss that he had with an NRLW player um, at a Chinese restaurant, I believe on the Gold Coast, in the toilets. So that's a pretty classy venue, I've got to say. Um, it is pretty interesting that the fines are that high for both of them. Um, I think the NRL is trying to send out the message that it doesn't want players screwing this up. And I understand that completely. The NRL is spending millions and millions and millions of dollars right now just keeping the competition going up there in Queensland. And it wouldn't take much to get it shut down. You know, all it needs is for the NRL to have some politician get a bee in their bonnet and really start pushing for the NRL to be shut down in Queensland, and it's all over, you know, so we can't have that. Um, a little bit of other news is that the NRLW competition, I believe, has been pushed back into next year. I think it's going to be played now in January. So we're going to see basically two seasons of the NRLW season played at the start of next year, and I guess towards the middle of next year as well. Um, I actually think that's a really cool opportunity for the NRLW because now they'll have their own space on the calendar. We'll be able to see how the players react to playing, first of all, in the summer months. Um, they play 70 minutes at the moment, so it's, you know, it's still taxing on the female players, but it's better than the 80 minutes uh, in the heat, the summer heat. But I think that having the 
basically the sporting public's attention to themselves and more the rugby league public's attention just to themselves. It could actually see the NRLW season find a place for itself at that point of the year. It's not a very long season at all. It's I think it goes for a little less than two months as it stands. There's only six teams. So we could see some positives come out of that. Um, and it's not the worst thing in the world, you know. So, you know, the NRLW players, I mean, a lot of people were saying, why can't they go into a bubble and that sort of stuff? A lot of players come from overseas for that season, which is obviously right now not feasible. The other thing is that players aren't full time in the W uh, in the NRLW, so it's just not feasible to have them locked down away from their family and friends and most importantly their jobs. You can't really do that for them. Um, so yeah. We'll see how things go. Hopefully their season doesn't need pushed back or cancelled anymore because we've seen too much of that happen in rugby league. We don't want any more cancellations or postponements or anything like that. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you go onto the Apple Podcast website. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, leave us a really nice reply. The nice replies we read out on the podcast, we end up putting on our website eventually. Uh, especially if you make it really random and have nothing to do with the podcast. Maybe talk about uh, some recipe or something that you, you would really like us to try or how you're coping with COVID. It doesn't really matter, just as long as you leave a reply and you make it a five-star rating. Um, you can always follow me and Andrew on Twitter. You can follow the podcast. Go to the podcast website. It's fergonthefreak.com. You can find all of the links there for both of our podcasts, both of our Patreon pages, pages, our Twitter feeds and all of that. Check us out on Instagram, uh, Fergo Freak Pod on Instagram. I've got my own Instagram now. I'm putting up heaps and heaps of pictures. Look up The Glorious League Freak, no spaces, and you'll find me. Um, and then check out my website. It's leaguefreak.com. I write on there when I get fired up enough. You can bet your ass I got fired up enough about these rule changes that they're trying to bring in. I'm just over rule changes. Can we just go back to having rugby league like it was in 2019, please? Anyway, we will try and get another podcast out before the game between the Panthers and the Tigers. I want to get I want to get Andrew on before that game, and I want to call that episode the Tigers Last Supper, and I think you know why. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and we will catch you soon.